Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about what compelling speakers share. During a recent presentation skills training, the participants received a lesson I couldn't have scripted. A young business development executive presented with a highly energized style. He spoke at a high rate of words per minute, used broad, animated gestures, and leaned towards us while he was speaking. After we watched his video and I gave him feedback, the next presenter got up. He was a senior technology guru. He spoke in a professorial manner while leisurely strolling back and forth, punctuating his words with small, rhythmic gestures. The two presenters, both very effective, couldn't have been more different. The contrast led the participants to ask whether there are best practices for all presenters. I answered by saying that presenters who command our attention share two best practices. First, they're truly present in the room. Second, they create lots of variety. Throughout the rest of the day, we explored those two ideas. Here are some thoughts about each. First, being truly present in the room. Speakers who are truly present in the room are comfortable being looked at by their listeners. This means they're free of the insidious fears that swell inside our heads. Ooh, did I rehearse enough? I hate this slide. My voice is shaking. What if they ask me something I can't answer? Those fear-inducing thoughts don't improve performance. Rather, they erect a psychic barrier between the presenter and her audience. They focus her attention on herself rather than on the ideas she wants to communicate to her listeners. She is anything but present in the room. In addition to feeling comfortable about letting your listeners look at you, being present in the room also means you need to be comfortable looking at them. People who see me present often tell me, I seem to know who has questions or comments before a hand is raised or a word is uttered. They marvel at what, to them, seems to be some supernatural gift. But the truth is actually very simple. I look at my audience and I notice things about them. For example, their expressions. Participants who have questions or comments wrinkle their brows or tilt their heads or turn their eyes towards the ceiling. Once you learn to really see your listeners, these cues are as plain as a bonfire on a dark beach. And then it's natural to stop and invite the question right then. The benefit of being truly present in the room is an increased feeling of being connected to your listeners. The resulting interactive style keeps both you and your listeners more engaged. It naturally leads to the creation of more variety, which is the second attribute compelling speakers share. I remember driver education movies that I watched in high school warning against the danger of white line blindness, the often fatal numbness that infects the brain when lines on a road at night flash by in repetitive rhythm. I remember taking overnight train trips and falling peacefully asleep to the repetitive clackety-clack of the tracks beneath the wheels. And I remember, just last week, struggling to stay tuned into a CFO at an all-hands meeting who spoke with no variety. There are two broad ways to think of variety, variety for our ears and variety for our eyes. Compelling speakers give us both. 
Variety for our ears can happen three ways, rhythm, volume, and pitch. Here's some thoughts on each of those. Variety of rhythm is simply speeding up and slowing down. Throughout this entire next section, listen for the different rhythms I demonstrate. For example, in that last sentence, the single word listen had its own rhythm that was much slower than the rest of the sentence. And that's the sort of variety in rhythm that keeps our ears tuned in. And that last sentence was much quicker than the sentence before it. As you think about variety and rhythm, you can think about it over the arc of your entire presentation. For example, begin your presentation at a moderate pace, then slowly increase your pace until it gets faster and faster towards the end. You can also think about creating variety and rhythm sentence by sentence, or word by word. I hope you've been listening to the varieties of rhythm I've been using in this section. They're slightly exaggerated, but only slightly. My hope is you're able to hear how much variety is possible in your rhythms and how it engages your ear and keeps you listening. What I've been demonstrating is the variety of rhythm in the spoken word. An even more sophisticated use of rhythm is silence. People are often concerned that they speak too quickly, in truth, our ears can process more than twice as many words per minute as our mouths can form. There's no way we can outpace our brains. But we can eliminate the markers our brains need to process the spoken ideas. All too often I hear presenters butt their sentences up against each other, completely eliminating the natural pause our ears needs at the end of a sentence, and instead they connect their sentences with words like so, or and, or but, or because, so their sentences become an endless string of sound without interruption, and before a minute goes by we've stopped listening to them. I hope that was difficult for you to listen to. It was meant to be. My point is this. Rushing through your pauses is the auditory equivalent of writing an entire email with no punctuation, no capitalization, and no white space. Looking at that block of text, the words might be recognizable, but they make no sense. The impact is the same when you take away silence. Without pauses, our ears are unable to process your ideas. Volume is the second way to create variety for our ears. It's very unexpected. Do you remember a teacher in grade school who suddenly lowered her voice? Every head snapped up and every ear strained to hear her. You can do the same thing by simply getting quieter sometimes. Because changing volume often feels arbitrary, you need to use it with care, but don't leave it out. It works. Pitch is the final frontier of vocal variety. I've never encountered a truly monotone speaker. Everyone has natural rises and falls of inflection. But some people work in a range that's narrower than a knife's edge. If you're concerned that you need to expand your variety of pitch, there are two things to do. First, use recorded feedback. And second, be prepared for discomfort. Both these ideas are discussed in other podcasts on our website, Using recorded feedback is covered in a podcast called Playback as Feedback. Preparing for the discomfort that comes with expanding your variety of pitch is discussed in a podcast called Becoming More Expressive. Both podcasts can be found in the archive of all our tips. I'll tell you how to find that archive at the end of this podcast. The ideas in those two tips will help you expand your range of pitch, perhaps the most challenging facet of vocal variety. Visual variety means 
movement, and I don't mean the animation on your PowerPoint slides. There are three easy ways to create visual variety. One, body movement. Two, gestures. Three, facial expressiveness. Compelling speakers do all three with authenticity. Just as arbitrarily dropping your voice to a whisper would create variety but would also be distracting and disingenuous, so movement for movement's sake is not what I am proposing. Your movement, gestures, and expressions need to be connected to what you're trying to convey. In a recent Harvard Business Review article, Nick Morgan rightly observes that nonverbal behavior actually precedes the spoken message. This is why presenters who carefully rehearse a particular gesture or movement so often look artificial. Their gesture becomes synchronized to the words. But the gestures of a truly passionate speaker begin when the thought is generated, which is a split second or two before the words are spoken. Variety will happen naturally if you're willing to express how you feel about your message. And, to come full circle, your natural level of variety will show itself if you're able to be truly present in the room. Those two qualities, being truly present in the room and creating variety, are vital parts of the look and sound of leadership. Of our more than 70 podcasts, many of them are about specific behaviors to help you be a more effective presenter. You can find all our podcasts on our website, EssentialCom.com. That's EssentialCom with two M's dot com. From our homepage, click the navigation button marked Coaching Tips. That'll take you to a searchable archive of our podcasts and more than four years of executive coaching tips. Our podcasts are also available through iTunes. Just search for The Look and Sound of Leadership. Until next time, this is Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening.